Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter, and this week we're going to talk about Growing Pains. The TV show from the 80s? <laughs> Actually, no. Those kids were cute. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about some of the things that businesses go through as they grow, as they grow from being a one-person organization to a three-person to a ten-person, and how do you how do you address some of those challenges? Well, you know, you you were here at the very beginning, back when it was just you at your dining room. Now we've got what eight employees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how was it? I guess your very first growing pain was when you hired your very first employee. And actually, that was probably it was a little bit scary. Mm-hmm but it was probably a lot easier than some of the later hires. Because in that instance, I really knew where I needed help. I had gotten to a point where I realized that there were things that I was doing that were not a good use of my time. What, what kinds of things were those? Oh, entering business cards into a database. Um, lots of routine typing, filing, administrative. And yeah, if I didn't have any other clients and any anything else to do that would have been fine but I was getting busier I had business plans that I was writing real projects and so to stop working on that to enter 25 business cards from people I met at a networking event didn't seem to be a good use of my time so you took that plunge and you hired your first employee and in that instance I made a part-time commitment Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really, um, that's an easy step for business owners, but there's a downside to it, and you've seen that over and over again, even as we've continued to grow. Uh, Do you mean the difficulty of finding quality part-time help? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's very difficult to find someone who is happy being part-time. Most people who we talk to, and this is completely understandable, I have done the exact same thing in my employment search, they think they'll get their foot in the door with a part-time job and hopefully expand it to full-time work, which does work, is very effective, is very understandable, but there's sometimes when you just know that that role isn't going to grow, you don't want to make that full-time commitment, but at the same time, you don't want to do a paid intern because you don't want to retrain someone every three months. And that that's actually one of those growing pains, I think, is the moment that you realize that retraining is more expensive than actually paying someone a dollar more or two dollars more an hour to keep them. Yeah, it it really is a huge time commitment and one of the reasons we've somewhat backed off of our intern program. Not entirely, we do have an intern now, but the the cost of the time spent training, just about the time you get someone up to speed and where they need to be, they're out the door, they've got a great skill set, but you're left to start all over again. And so, you know, when you decide, okay, I need help, you really need to decide, I think, and, and look at, is this a part-time job that is always going to be a part-time job? Is this a part-time job that eventually will be a full-time job? And um, actually, um, when I started, I ended up with two part-time employees, mm-hmm. Rebecca and Shelley. To this day, Rebecca is a part-time employee. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't want to be a full-time employee. She doesn't want, she she likes having so many hours a week. 
She likes the flexibility. And so we constructed a job that has boundaries for mm -hmm. her. I don't pile on tons of other projects because I know that working 15 or 20 hours a week, she's not going to get to them. Absolutely. And so, and that's okay because things like, especially bookkeeping, and that's a lot of what Rebecca does. She does the invoicing, she does accounts payable follow-ups. In a small business, that's not a full-time job. No. But it does require someone who does it consistently. And it's not the kind of thing that you want to continually train someone new to oh, do. No, no, no. So you really need, for certain jobs, that permanent part-time person. So what are some good places to look for someone who maybe is more content in a long-time, part-time role? Honestly, a lot of stay-at-home moms and, and stay-at-home dads and stay-at-home dads are a really good um, target for that kind of job because you can build a job around their hours. They can come in at 9 or 9.30 after the kids are at school. They can be done at... 1.30 or 2. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, for that kind of a job, there are tasks that have to be done, but they're not necessarily time sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want to hook a good, long-term, part, permanent part-time employee, being able to give them the flexibility to come in an hour later if a child has a orthodontist appointment, leave an hour earlier if there's a play, is a really good way to develop a great relationship, give, give someone an opportunity to fill, use their skills, and also give you an opportunity to have that longevity that you need. Or for, for basic admin tasks, not not probably for bookkeeping, but for entering the business cards, um, you know, making reminder phone calls, that kind of thing. Basic administrative tasks. Another great thing that'll get you through at least a couple years is hiring not an intern, but a college part-time employee. You can find someone who's just starting their junior year or in the summer between their sophomore and junior year. That can be a great investment for a couple years. And the advantage there is you get someone who has a fairly predictable schedule, six months at a time, four months at a time, and then you flex for the next semester. But they also are content if the job pays reasonably well mm -hmm. and you flex with them at their schedule, they're really happy to stay with you during that period. And then as they approach graduation, then you're going to have a decision point. You need to be able to look at, has this person grown with you where you want to bring them on full time? Or is it a case where you need to start helping them find, uh, give them a great reference and, and help them find uh, where they need to be? I actually even had a part-time job in high school. Uh, I worked about, oh, maybe 15 hours a week at a real estate office, uh, sending mailings and getting databases in order and doing basic grunt work that people in the office just didn't have time to deal with. It wasn't brain surgery, but I got office experience. Now, granted, I was a fairly mature 16-year-old. I know that's hard to imagine, but um, that, that can also be something worth looking into. And it certainly helps you get over the hump. But there is mm -hmm. that point at which, and this is, I think, a pivot point for a lot of companies. When I started, I hired a lot of new college grads, mm -hmm. and it gave me an opportunity to bring people on. Mm -hmm. um, I paid entry-level salaries. These were kids 
starting out, but there came a point where I realized I was hampering the company's growth. How so? I had in my head what the job was worth. And there's a point at which after one or two years with the company, people needed to move on. Mm -hmm. And I actually, in the interview, would say to people, you know what, this is going to be a place you're going to hang out a year or two, and you're going to get experience, and then you're going to be ready for something else. And so from day one, I was bringing people in with the expectation mm -hmm. that they would be with me a year or two, and then they would outgrow me great for them. i got to tell you, I have an army of former employees who are smart, talented, and successful in a lot of places, but a lot of them aren't here, and that's unfortunate for Roundpeg. It is. I think that it really made it difficult because I think that many of the people did come in with the idea that they weren't going to be here long. And so, not that they weren't very dedicated and great employees, but it became harder to invest in the long-term success of the company when they thought, this is just a stopping place until I can find something better. And so, for me as a business owner, there was a point at which I said, okay, I'm not going to start over again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am starting over. I just lost a couple of employees. I'm reorganizing. I'm not going to start over again. I'm going to change mm -hmm. how I compensate my employees, mm -hmm. how I uh, structure the organization to give them more control, mm -hmm. more input into what the business looks like, and then compensate them. Yeah, and I, I was really the first employee under that system. And you're still here. And I'm still here almost uh, three and a half years later. So we've got now Jenna just celebrated her two-year anniversary. Peter's going to have his two-year anniversary uh, in the fall in November. So, um, and before, I think the longest tenured employee was two years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, so I think that there's, um, there's that, uh, that, that continuity that has allowed us to, to grow, to move in different directions, mm -hmm. to offer a higher level of service. We do significantly better web design work because Peter's skill set has grown. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we're able to charge considerably more for those. We're able to compensate Peter more. You're able to get paid. Uh, we're able to do things like reside the house and paint the trim blue. Uh, so there's just, because you've invested in your manpower capital, we've really been able to grow the company without actually growing the size of the company exponentially. And I think that's, um, that is that fine line I think that business owners walk when it, when it comes to growing their business is gambling on the investment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, uh, you know, we've been prudent. I think there was a point at which I would always hire ahead of the curve mm -hmm. and then struggle to find the business to support the mm -hmm. team. We really kind of changed the approach and tried to find very creative ways, bringing in more part-time people to mm -hmm. fill the gap to allow us to figure out, is this the new normal or, or is it going to drop back in a couple of months? I also think that growing pains are about more than just people. I think organizations get to a point where they have to look at their processes and their systems. And I think that's hard for some businesses. I think that it's very hard, especially when, when you have very deeply ingrained ways of doing things, when it's always been the way that you do them. Uh, and I think that you, know, you, you can find a certain comfort and predictability 
in those you're smiling at me in those processes even if they're not really working anymore it's it's sort of the uh, the fear of the unknown mm -hmm. um, we have a project sheet mm -hmm. that we have had since day one in the business and I get teased by a lot of my peers about that way of organizing our projects but the truth is that 2,000 projects later I can still find files from things I did seven and eight years ago. And so it's an adequate tracking system, but it is not a good system for managing project details. Not at all. No, there really was no system for managing project details. And so, you know, that was holding us back. Mm -hmm. Things were getting lost along the way. Information was um, falling through the cracks. You know, we're interesting at Roundpeg because we are such a close office. And I don't mean that in that, you know, we all love each other so much, though of course we totally do. <laughs> I mean that we're physically freaking close. Um, the vast majority, there's six of us who sit in a back room the size of your standard living room. So we all work within 10 feet of each other. So most of the time we would just tell people things. But I mean, a lot of times when people will tell you something, you'd be in the middle of working something, and you wouldn't write it down, it would slip your brain. There wasn't a paper trail. Or even an e-trail. Exactly. In a lot of other offices, you know, someone's down around the corner on a different floor, so you shoot an email. We weren't doing that, so there was no record of the conversation. And though we all have good memories, there'd be those moments where I'm like, no, I asked you if you would, and the other person looked at you and thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's possible that you didn't, or it's possible the person forgot. Both parties were often to play. And so um, one of the growing pains, one of the things that we wrestled with was the fact that, number one, I was no longer touching every job, which was a, a huge metal shift. But number two, the projects were becoming more complex. We were depending more on each other to finish pieces of the project. And something had to give, and what had to give was a more structured approach to managing our projects. So how did you go about trying to find that structure? First thing I did is I actually talked to other business owners. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very lucky. I'm part of a network of, of people who own digital agencies. We're located across the country. We don't compete with each other. And so I could reach out to my peers and say, hey, what do you guys do? What are you using? And actually, there are even a few of my competitors here in town that were are very generous with information and ideas. Um, shout out to Dan Herndon. He's the one who suggested I take a look at do.com, which is what we ultimately chat, uh, selected. So talk a little bit about what do is and kind of how that's, how that's changed our process management. For us, do.com is a... It is more than just a task list. You can organize projects. You can invite people to the projects. I can assign tasks. Mm -hmm. I can see when the tasks are done. I can send emails, and I really like this. If I get an email from a client that has a lot of information, mm -hmm. and we're going back and forth on details on the project, I can forward that to do and attach it to that project folder. Mm -hmm. It's the same that I guess I could copy it and download it to the project folder on the server, but this seems to be a really easy way to get that in front of everybody who's assigned to that project. 
it really does help because if I, for instance, need Jenna to design a graphic for something, I'll still usually tell her verbally because it just makes more sense that way. But at the same time, I'll put the task in due along with a due date um, and tell them, you know, tell her I need it by this time. And that way there's just a record of it. And so that way if something does happen and something does fall down, you can say, what the heck's going on? I have the task for you to do. So there's no question about, oh, I wasn't told that. Absolutely. And I think that's the key to a lot of organizations successfully implementing some of these systems is not letting the system replace the human interaction. Mm -hmm. No matter how big we get, we're still going to have the conversations. We're still mm -hmm. going to talk to each other. We're still going to walk down the hall and ask the questions. This just backs us up and helps us remember the things that um, would otherwise fall through the cracks. So as a business owner, and because of the nature of what Crownpick does with outsourced marketing, we often, business owners often come to us when they're at their breaking point. When they have realized that there is more in their business, in the business side of running a business, than they can personally do. What are some of the warning signs that you need to get outsourced help, get new processes, hire that next person, before you go start raving mad? I think, um, for me, uh, some of the warning signs are me running around saying things like, I really hate doing this. I can't believe I, I can't believe I have to do this. I've got, a, I've got a prospect I need to write a quote for, but I have to do this. Mm -hmm. For me, the do this was accounting. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a bookkeeper, but I also have someone that does my payroll. Because quite honestly, I just want the money to show up in your account. We really want that too, so that works <laughs> well. But I, and I don't want to go to jail for not paying your payroll taxes. You won't be there, I would. <laughs> and and yeah. it's a pain in the neck. And I gotta tell you that filling out those forms, not only does it make me crazy, not only is it not a good use of my time, I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. Anything with instructions and five steps, is, is not something I'm going to do well. No. And so I think that's one of the, the warning signs. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is when you're running into a situation where you have to continually be improving your skills in that area to do it well, I can, I can turn on a computer, I can plug it in, but the operating systems have become significantly more complex and looking for viruses and looking for mistakes and trying to figure out why a printer is not responding to a call for printing, I can do it. I can spend several hours researching and reading or I can pick up the phone and say, Edgar, um, do me a favor, can you look at this and figure out why it's not working? Basically, the farther something is away from your core expertise, and again, for us, our core expertise is marketing, but for you, let's say you own an HVAC company. Your core expertise is HVAC, it's logistics, it's getting those vans to where they need to be, it's making sure that it's ordering parts, it's doing all of that. It's not marketing. That's outside of your core area of expertise. So is that the most productive thing you could do with your time? And usually the answer is no, no. and I would say the same thing to the accountant. Um, you know what, you're really good at numbers, but maybe you shouldn't be designing your own logo. <laughs> um, and so, in that instance, you know, again, it's not your core expertise. And, you know, I think marketing is one of those things that most business owners think they can do because everybody can do it. 
we're not going to go down that path and tell you that's wrong. What I am going to say is if it's, if it's distracting you, mm -hmm. if it's taking you away from time that could be spent on client work. Mm -hmm. It's about opportunity cost. Yeah, it's time to let go. And the other thing that I notice working with clients or even with you, if you find that you start hating what you do, if you dread coming into the office more days than not, and not just because of the, the kinds of tasks you have to do, but because there's so much, because you never have any, and I'm dealing with a client right now, never has any time off, is constantly on call, is doing everything, is working until 9 or 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week, you're eventually going to burn out, you're going to hate your job, and you're going to do everything poorly. Absolutely, and you know, the, the whole reason that many of us got into business, and I'm not talking now the reluctant entrepreneurs who lost a job and had no choice, but people who consciously woke up one day and said, I really want to do this. Maybe there were dreams of being multimillionaires. Maybe there were simply dreams of having a little control over our lives and how we spend our time. And in either of those cases, if you're hating what you're doing, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. So if your business is growing, take Saturday and go do something else. And it may be stepping back and looking at how are you spending your time. Go sit in a coffee shop and make a list of everything you do. And then start looking at the things that only you can do. Mm -hmm. Those have to stay. Make a list of those things that you wouldn't mind outsourcing to someone else and start figuring out how you do that so you have more time for the things you really like doing. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can read more of our comments on business management and strategy on our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.